the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock on this Wednesday, the 8th morning of the 5th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. We are loaded up today, again, with a lot of great guests, which is good because it's going to save my pipes a little bit. I've got a long show today, or a long extended show today with just an hour break. That's a fancy way of trying to say I will be in for Dennis Prager today. Uh, nationally on the Prager program from noon until 3. So for five of the next six hours here on AM 1420, the answer, you're going to get this voice, so let's hope it holds out. Uh, coming up in the program, Senator Rob Portman this hour at about 9.35 is going to join us to talk about a couple of things, not the least of which is what we have been hammering home all week long with other guests, including Bill Federer and including yesterday Congressman uh, Bill Johnson, and that is the D-Day prayer being added to the World War II Memorial if we can raise the funds. And part of that effort is the Spring Freedom Banquet coming up on Friday at uh, uh, in uh, Akron with the Ohio Christian Alliance. Senator Portman is uh, integral to this because he sponsored the bill to get the prayer added in the Senate. Congressman Johnson on the House side, and it was uh, Senator Portman. So we're going to talk to him about that, but we'll also talk to him about a couple of other things, uh, including uh, the President, the White House's new immigration plan, which has uh, been presented to the Senate, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means with respect to um, uh, illegal immigration and phony asylum claims and everything else that we have been dealing with. By the way, really, really big victory yesterday. Really big victory yesterday as a federal court has decided that, yes, the Trump administration, Department of Homeland Security, can ship uh, asylum claimants to Mexico to wait there while uh, their their claims are being processed. In other words, no more catch and release in the United States. It's catch and release into Mexico. Now, that's the good news. That's a big victory. That's a huge story. 
Make no mistake about it. Send them back to Mexico to wait out the court process. Mexico has agreed to this. And if Mexico doesn't like it, if they start getting swamped with people waiting in their country, maybe they'll fortify their own border on the other side, on the other, on the, uh, on the uh, south side, uh, to stop the Central American migrants from coming up and continuing to play this ridiculous game. They're not seeking asylum from religious persecution or from political persecution or from any of the things that our asylum laws say that you uh, that you can claim asylum for. They're not facing those things. They just don't like the fact that uh, their countries are blank holes and they want to come up to the uh, land of opportunity. And we, of course, are the land of opportunity, and we welcome those who wish to come legally. So a uh, big victory for uh, the Trump administration yesterday in the courts, and we'll talk uh, a little bit about that with uh, uh, with uh, uh, Senator Rob Portman coming up at about 9.35 today as well. Also uh, on the program today, uh, in the 10 o'clock hour, David Bors is going to join us. He is a Clarion Project slash Center for Security Policy uh, affiliate who is going to be the next speaker at Act for America in Cleveland. We're going to talk to him about Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and the jihadist faction of the Ohio, or excuse me, of the United States House of Representatives, and what that means going forward, what the Muslim Brotherhood um, and uh, the president's attempt to designate them as a foreign terrorist, atta- uh, terrorist group, I should say, uh, what that means. So we're looking forward to that conversation coming up as well. So a lot of opportunities for you to get in today, more than yesterday, but we still have some great sto- um uh, guests who are coming up as well. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945, We'll get you up and on the radio, one of those numbers. I'm going to pause before I tell you to tweet to me or Facebook comment to me. I'm in one of those moods again. I'm in one of those moods where I am just about ready to delete my accounts on these social media platforms because they have gone just way too far, way too far in their conservative censorship. It has become a purge at this point, my friends. It has become a purge. The liberal creators, owners, CEOs, moderators of Twitter have begun purging conservative voices from their entire platform. People like actor James Woods, who was one of the most popular conservative posters on Twitter, he had his account suspended uh, a couple of weeks ago for the second time, and this time I think it's permanent, because he dares to challenge the liberal orthodoxy, because he dares to actually criticize liberal politicians, liberal hypocrisy. He dares to defend Donald Trump unapologetically. He's one of the most well-known individuals to be banned, but certainly not the only one. There's a parody account of Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortez in all of her airheadedness and idiocy, a parody account that was called AOC Press Release. And in the title... Parenthetically, right after press release, was the word parody. In the bio underneath the the uh, the Twitter handle, which every Twitter account has a bio, little short, uh, 140 character or 280 character uh, biography, it said, 
Press releases from AOC, and then in parentheses again, parody. Parody accounts are allowed on Twitter, as long as you announce that this is a parody or a satire. You're not allowed to pretend to be somebody else and try to make it look like you really are them. In other words, I can't just start a, a Twitter page, open an account, and call myself Sherrod Brown, and then tweet a bunch of ignorant stuff that Sherrod Brown would say. I would have to say this is a parody of ignorant Sherrod Brown or his ignorant uh, columnist wife, Kami uh, Schultz. But, but they're parodies of themselves, so I don't have to do that. But you have to announce that you're a parody. Well, they did, and it was one of the most popular uh, uh, Twitter accounts, honestly, in the platform. And the reason why is the person who ran it just so captured Alexandria Kelly Bundio-Cortez's mindset so perfectly that when he would tweet out stupid things that were obviously stupid and fake, people didn't know the difference. <laughs> people couldn't tell if this was the parody account or if it was uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Repeatedly, you would see people in the comments going, oh, my God, I can't believe she said that. And then later on going, dang it, you got me. I didn't look to see that the word, word parody was there. So they've eliminated that account. There's another one that I need to highlight here um, because it's simply ridiculous. It is uh, it is censorship. It is something that needs to be changed. There was a Twitter account that has been banned that highlighted all of the attacks against Trump fans. All right. It was a it was an account that literally was simply to to chronicle all of the attacks against Trump supporters, physical attacks, mind you. That's what we're talking about here: physical attacks against Trump supporters, because we've seen them over and over again. People wearing Trump hats or Trump shirts or whatever, being uh, being hassled, being attacked, being screamed at, being told to get out of restaurants, being told to get out of here. There, the the Twitter account was called Magaphobia. Magaphobia, because people have a phobia, a fear of people wearing MAGA, MAGA gear. So all it did was just it didn't it didn't incite, it didn't use profanity, it didn't use graphic sexual images, it didn't do anything that might get one banned from a social media platform like Twitter. All it did was show the world uh, in chronicle form, attack after attack after attack after attack on. Trump supporters wearing um, uh, MAGA gear. This was banned. It was kicked off of the Twitter platform. They don't want people knowing that this goes on. They don't want the world knowing that liberals and Antifa members, progressives, whatever they want to call themselves, psychotic lunatics that they are, are so violent in attacking Trump supporters. It was banned. So my point to all of this is that, and, and we all know that it was pretty well chronicled last week that uh, Facebook did the same thing. Facebook had a huge purge of people with quote unquote controversial statements. What does that mean? It means conservatives. Conservatives are being banned from Facebook and from Twitter, and they want an echo chamber. Now, I'm going to say this again because I feel like this is worth our time, in all seriousness. Voters in 2019 are not well read. Voters at this age and this stage of our country, at this place in our country's history, are not necessarily very well read. They're not very well versed. They don't gather uh, all of the information needed to make up their minds on things. 
whether they be issues, whether they be legislation, whether they be candidates, they're just not very well learned on these things. Now, you'd think to yourself, well, how can that be? There is more information available now in the Internet age than there ever was 30 years ago. How can people not be as learned? Well, here's why. Because reading long paragraphs and articles and research that has been done, particularly if you read it from a nonpartisan point of view and not from the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, but those nonpartisan, or if you do read a partisan uh, you know, a view of something, you have to then read an equal and opposite partisan uh, review of it from from the other side. You can find that in 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 you know online right wing media sites, right? But those t- those things take work. It takes a long time. It really does to read articles. So what America has become in its fast food lifestyle, in its I want it and I want it now, I don't want to wait 25 seconds, and I certainly don't want to spend three and a half minutes reading a full article. I want the gist of it right now. They've embraced Twitter. Fast food, lazy American voters have embraced Twitter. If I see it on Twitter, I get the entire story in 280 characters. Less than a paragraph all i have to do and they take twitter as their news source abc nbc cbs fox news cnn all of that i ain't watching all that reading news magazines reading newspapers that twitter will tell me what i need to know and twitter is only too happy to comply by providing appropriate little trending tabs that they control what is quote-unquote trending and what isn't trending. They control what you see when you go onto your Twitter timeline or the Twitter timeline and then decide what you want to share on your own. They control it all. And so when American voters and American citizens are getting so much of their news from social media, from places like Twitter, Twitter cannot be allowed to operate in such a CNN fake news, conservative bashing, conservative censoring manner. I know that the Congress, back when the Republicans had control, uh, tried to do something about this, and they called Zuckerberg before the uh, various committees. They called uh, Jack, uh, um, uh, whose last name is Dorsey, uh, who owns Twitter and runs Twitter. They called them, and they, they harangued them, and they said, you need to do this better, and you need to change this. Standing. But they're not following up, because nothing is changing. So I ask, what do we do? What do we do? Every time I host a radio show, I tell you to follow me on Twitter at France Radio. Follow me on Facebook at France Radio. And I just feel like an absolute idiot. I feel like I'm 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 begging people to patronize uh, and use a site that is literally working against America's best interests. But on the flip side, if I don't, and if we don't, if we abandon that platform and leave it to the liberals, well, then we've lost. We've absolutely lost because of what I said to start. Too many millions of Americans get their news, as it were, from Twitter. 
So we have to try to push back and hope we don't get banned. We have to try to stay on there and try to counter the lies and the hypocrisy and the fabrications and the fake news of, uh, of, of Twitter and of Facebook. We have to, but it's just so frustrating because the, the, the game is, is, is not a, on a level playing field. The, the, it's, it's tilted completely to the left. And I don't know what we're supposed to do about it. They just continue to purge conservative voices who make a lot. I mean, I know that I've been shadow banned a number of times, not outright having my account suspended, but shadow banned. I will tweet things that will then remain dark. Nobody can see them. People will tell me. I don't see that. Happens all the time to people who make good points and people who are conservative and who are trying to establish, uh, you know, various, um, uh, narratives and so on and so forth. The liberal, progressive, Silicon Valley, San Jose, California, uh, Twitterese, the moderators have made sure that conservative voices will be silenced. And I'm not sure exactly how we're supposed to handle that. All right, let me get a quick time out here. It's 922, the Bob Francis Authority, right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Nine twenty-six. Now the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Senator Rob Portman going to join us in about uh, fifteen minutes. We're going to talk with uh, Lieutenant Colonel David Bores from the Clarion Project and the Center for Security Policy coming up in the ten o'clock hour as well. Lisa Woods from the Medina County Friends and Neighbors Organization and also from the State of Ohio School Board is online one. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Hey, hey, Bob. I am well. Thanks for asking. What's on your mind today? Hey, I wanted to uh, talk about um, the meeting that we're having on Saturday. Uh, I know there's been a lot of different things going on about gun rights, and it's really special that we have Jim Irvine, the uh, chairman of Ohio uh, Buckeye Firearms. I've talked to Jim many times. Very good man. (laughs) He's awesome, isn't he? Yes, he Um, is. Just so matter-of-fact and easy to understand and, and doesn't come off as any sort of uh, gun freak at all. I mean, he's got young kids and, uh, you know, is a, a pilot and is just so knowledgeable on the subject that uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear and takes questions wonderfully. If you ever have any doubt about certain laws or bills that are coming up, my gosh, he, he's well, I have the a guy pretty good idea. To. I have a pretty good idea what people are going to ask him about uh, because it's something that I and, and I'm and I'm endeavoring to reach out to the governor to get him to come on, and that is the red flag law that Governor Mike DeWine supports, which um, you know on its face might appear to be reasonable to try to keep guns out of the hands of lunatics, which of course is a goal. You don't want crazy people to have guns; they're the ones who end up starting shooting shooting places, uh, you know, mass shootings. But uh, it completely infringes upon the Second Amendment rights of everybody else if all it takes is an accusation and no due process to say, hey, I think that guy's dangerous, take his guns away, and then they do it. So it's a really, really dangerous thing that's coming up in Ohio, and I'm sure that's something he's going to want to address. Absolutely. Yep, I'm, I'm worried about that, too. Um, I, I just love our right to defend ourselves, and I, I'm an advocate for it, and... Um, we're, we live in dangerous times. We've got the uh, opposition on the other side running for president, the different folks. And, my gosh, you know, 
we're we're looking at some. Spartacus wants a national gun registry. Yeah, Spartacus wants a national gun registry, which of course is the first step toward national gun confiscation. But that's what Spartacus Cory Booker wants, Eric Swalwell wants, and others. And if you don't register uh, or turn over your weapon uh, or 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 sell your weapon in a buyback program, uh, then they want to lock you up. I mean, it's it is it's a crazy time right now. It, It you know at the local level, at the state level, and at the national level. Every time we have a tragedy, and by the way, I should certainly point out that yesterday's atrocity in Colorado. A shooting just a few miles away from uh, Columbine, but another shooting at a high school yesterday, a deadly uh, encounter. It's awful. It's horrible. And every time we have one of these, the left grabs it and says, let's take everybody's guns away. And that's um, that's something we cannot abide by. Right. Right. And we have to worry about our kids' futures. When you look at what's going on in some of these other countries where that has happened, you know, years ago, you know, that's not what we want our kids to live in, and that's what we're looking at. We may be gone, but our kids will still be here. And and you're a dad. I'm a mom. We get it. This is not what would be good for our children. No question about it. So that's uh, coming up on Saturday, right? That's right. Saturday at 830 at the Copper Top will be done by 10. Um, that's in Valley City. And uh, we've got our Facebook post, if you can find us there. And I'll be switching to some of these other conservative things that I'm seeing. I, you, you've made a great point. We have to stay on these, like Facebook, because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are still on the fence. They're not really active like a lot of us that listen to you or active like a lot of the people on the left. There's a lot of just normal people living their lives. And, you know, they're, they're just so busy, they really don't see the dangers coming no. down the road. And that's why we have to stay. We have to stay on those those places and it's see frustrating. if we can you know, bring it, them over the It's frustrating fence. as can be because I just got a message from somebody who said, Bob, I dumped my Twitter account and I feel so much more, uh, less stressed out because of the aggravation that it caused. Lisa, thanks for the call. Uh, and so, And you should do the same. And I would. But I'm so terrified of if we abandon it and leave it so that we don't stress over being censored and so on. Maybe we start our own little platform or whatever. Um, the, the liberals, it's already got a, you know, tens of millions of, of subscribers head start. And they're going to then have control of the masses, control of the flow of information without our countering of it with facts. And that is something we we cannot allow. And that's just a, it's a terrible situation. But it is what it is. It's 931. Let's get news now. Senator Rob Portman going to join us in a few minutes right here on AM 1420. The- Nine thirty-seven. The Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks so much for joining us. We got a great guest list today. By the way, I kind of uh, glossed over one that I should not have. Also on the uh, guest list today, we are going to be talking with uh, Judy Major. She is going to uh, talk to us about a. It, it, there's there's so many things right now with the anti-abortion movement uh, in this country. The pro-life movement really is what we need to call it because that's what it is. Thank goodness for the movie Unplanned. Uh, thank goodness for the Ohio heartbeat bill passing here in the state uh, in the state of Ohio. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp just signed it down there. Another heartbeat bill in the state of Georgia. All of this stuff is fantastic, which is exactly why. Planned Parenthood and the pro-abortionists, the pods, the party of death, uh, are doing everything they, they can to silence pro-life movements. And uh, there's a group, a suburban West, the Suburban West Right to Life group, that uh, has participated in a summer event in Fairview Park for the last 20 years. 
Last year, they were denied their space in the Fairview Park Summerfest. And uh, they have applied for it again this year in ju- uh, for uh, July 26th, 27th, 28th. Uh, and uh, we are trying to shine a very bright public spotlight on what is going on out there in Fairview Park and try to figure out why they are denying this pro-life organization an opportunity to uh, to present and display with their booth. So Judy Major is going to be joining us about that. I hope I'm saying her name right, by the way, uh, coming up in uh, the next hour as well. For now, we'll get a phone call here from Tanya in Akron. Tanya, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. What's on your mind uh, today? You made a comment that um, you wanted to get off the Facebook page and, you know, sold in the social media. I don't think we need to get off. I think we need to stand our ground. You know, I'm a person of faith, mm-hmm. and... What I'm finding out is most of uh, people of faith act like a bunch of wimps. Um, Nehemiah stood on the wall. He built the wall, but he also had his tool to build the wall, and he also had his his weapon. Our weapon is prayer. You know, we need to, you know, before we make a comment on, pray about it. Because if God opens the doors, people will hear it. And I am just tired of, you know, before I put something on there, I pray about it. And if he gives me some insight, I type it in, and I have people that make, you know, they argue, but they don't have anything to argue in a, they can't fight it because they're not my words. They're inspired words. And I think that we need to start standing strong. One day someone will create another platform. But until someone creates that platform, we need to stay on it. But we need to stay on it and not an intellectual way like we're trying to do it, but in a way that is inspired by the by the God that we serve. Because we are winning. We just don't have the eyes to see how much we're winning. We only see Tanya, what's in front of us. Tanya, I love you. I, I love your optimism. And I love your faith. And I love everything that you just said. The only thing that I would say in response, and I agree with everything you just said, too, is just when you go on Twitter and you tweet what you prayed about, don't mention that you prayed about it because if you do, it's a surefire no. way of getting banned. No, never. That's the you point. Know, we don't give we don't give up our secrets. You know, my whole <laughs> point is that you know you before you say say Lord, what is you know what do I know? What should I know about this situation? And when He gives you the word, then He said, "What do you should I do?" Whatever it tells you to do, you do it. You don't sit up. We don't. We don't have to sit up with our crosses and everything on there and say that we're doing it. We just need to, before we do something, we are in alignment with something that God wants us to do. Because we're going to no, win. I, I, so listen, I, I totally get it, and I totally agree. It would be nice, by the way, if we could say that I prayed upon this, and this is what you know my faith compels me to do. But like I said, that's a surefire way of getting banned on Twitter, because it indicates that you as a person of faith are somebody who is more right-leaning, more conservative-minded. And that's not a blanket statement, of course. Of course, people on the uh, left side of the political spectrum can be people of faith as well. But it is only those who process those who were evangelized, those who actually tried to spread the word uh, that end up getting banned and censored by the uh, far lefties on the uh, on the Twitter and uh, Facebook platforms. And it's getting very dangerous, especially with the purge of conservatives just in time for the presidential cycle to begin here. We're 18 months away from the 2020 presidential election.
All right, uh, 942, and I am told uh, Senator Rob Portman is on the line with us on AM 1420, The Answer. What a perfect segue, by the way, as Tanya told us about prayer, to bring on Senator Portman to talk to us about prayer, specifically a prayer and the World War II Memorial. Senator, good morning, sir. Thank you for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you? Bob, I am great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you on. I tell you what, sometimes things just work out. I have a caller calls me to t- and tells me about prayer. And you, I, I've been spending a lot of time this week, Senator, talking about your role uh, on the Senate side, Congressman Bill Johnson's role on the House side being the sponsors of the D-Day prayer being added to the World War II Memorial. And, uh, We've gotten all of the green lights. President Obama signed that uh, those uh, you know that measure into law, and now it's time to find the funding to make this happen, right? It sure is. It's past time, uh, actually, Bob. I've, I've been frustrated because we did pass the legislation a few years ago, and yet we still don't have the plaque in place. But for the uh, listeners who have not followed this, uh, you're absolutely right. One of the most famous prayers in the history of our country, in my view, was on D-Day when President Roosevelt decided to use the power of prayer rather than a speech to motivate the country during a very tough time and a very uncertain time. And that's a beautiful prayer. And I, I love on D-Day to recite it on the floor of the Senate uh, because it is so powerful. And, and so all we're saying is we'd like to have that prayer uh, be uh, at the World War II Memorial so that those who come to pay tribute to the men and women of Ohio and our country who lost their lives in defense of liberty have a chance to see what the context was at that time our country was not hesitant to turn to prayer. Yeah, and you know, Senator, I, uh, it's funny, uh, this past Friday, of course, was the National Day of Prayer, and we played that uh, uh, the D-Day prayer from uh, FDR uh, in its entirety on this program to, just to kind of let everybody know what, the, what that is all about. Good we, for you. Um, we've turned away a, a bit from that, it seems. You know, um, I, I think back when FDR read that prayer, I don't think too many people, no matter what their uh, religious leanings were, complained about separation of church and state. They liked the fact that we were invoking the power of God to try to protect our protectors who were going over there to liberate Europe and to stop the advancement of tyranny uh, from uh, from the Nazi regime. And today, boy, it's, you know, I, I, can you imagine a president of the United States doing a national address and reading a long prayer the way FDR did in 2019? People would lose their minds. I think, I think uh, that person would be criticized uh, for bringing prayer into the public square when... In fact, if you look at the history of our country all the way back to George Washington, it's always been part of who we are. And we're not suggesting that there is a particular religion, but we are suggesting that faith has played a, a huge role. And that prayer, as you know, um, is, is powerful in so many respects. One I love about it is it talks about our country in the most fundamental way, saying uh, these men are drawn, uh, you know, these were draftees and volunteers. Uh, my dad was one of them, uh, probably some of the members of your family, but it says, For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise. And and that is so much a part of who we are as a country that sometimes we lose track of as well. Uh, We were thanking God for protecting them, but also making it clear that the United States has played a positive role, and certainly we did in World War II, you know, freeing uh, millions of people from the tyranny of of fascism and uh, we sometimes forget that, too. You know, you're 100% right, um, and it, it, it's so very important to remember that, and I know that's why 
Uh, we're going to talk about uh, adding that prayer to the World War II Memorial. Like you said, it was passed uh, and signed back in 2014. There's a deadline. Apparently, this this law expires. I'd never heard of a law expiring before, but it does in 2021. If we do not get this funding raised, uh, this funding uh, for the uh, prayer to be added to the memorial by 2021, the, the entire thing goes away. And that's what this Friday's liftoff is all about. Or It's a continuation, really, of the effort. But the Spring Freedom Banquet on Friday is an endeavor by the Ohio Christian Alliance to uh, to start raising those funds to get this done. And I know you Absolutely. won't be able to be with us, but you do have a video message for the uh, gathering there. Uh, can you give us a preview what you're going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about the importance of the Ohio Christian Alliance in, in developing this legislation in the first place, coming to me, uh, Bill Johnson, um, and trying to get something uh, done. It was really a dream uh, that finally we were able to get into legislation. We were able to get enough Democrats to support it to get it done. Um, your involvement, Bob, by going to the event once again and and providing support is really appreciated uh, because you've got a lot of listeners, and by emceeing the banquet and supporting it, I know you're going to make a big difference. We are very close to getting something done here. Um, the 75th anniversary of D-Day is this June, so that's been my goal is to have something in place uh, this June. So we're talking next month, and I think we are on, in, uh, in, on, on track to do that. It'll be more like a temporary um, display of the plaque, but it'll be there for everyone to see, including the World War II veterans who are still with us. One reason I've been really pushing the Park Service and the two commissions that decide what goes on the National Mall is because we want as many World War II veterans as possible to see this plaque uh, while they're still with us. So time is of the essence. So I'm hopeful that we now have the site approved. We now have the design approved. uh, We're now working on getting the construction materials approved. Um, it's been it's been quite a bureaucratic process. The Fine Arts Commission and the National Capital Planning Commission um, are independent bodies, and they determine what goes on our National Mall. I understand that uh, the National Mall is precious ground. They don't want to just you know allow anything to be constructed there. But we've gone through all the processes, and we think we're in good shape now, and we think we have the funding in place. We hope to do something temporary, but we want to put something permanent there, and that will require additional funding. Um, because we don't expect the taxpayers to pick up the tab. We, we expect this to be one where um, a lot of volunteers from around the country who believe in this uh, World War II prayer and the importance of it to help us do it, and we're getting a, getting a nice response. But we never would be here without Chris Long, the executive director, and the Ohio Christian Alliance. Completely agree. Chris has done just fabulous work on this, his tireless work on this. And I'll remind people, if uh, you would like to attend Friday's banquet, uh, it's at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton, and there are tickets still available. You can register for this event online at ohioca.org. And if you can't make it, there's also a donate button. Click that donate button at ohioca.org and donate uh, uh, whatever you can. Every little bit will help uh, in order to try to get the funding uh, for this prayer to be added. It's extremely important, I know, to the veterans, World War II veterans and their families and descendants uh, who want to who want to remember uh, of course what uh, uh, what happened on that day as we began the liberation of Europe uh, Senator before you go if I may just because I got an opportunity I don't have an audience with you very often you're on the Homeland Security Committee on the in the Senate uh, I want to talk about border security want to talk about what's going on yesterday the White House uh, had a little meeting uh, presented to so- some senators an immigration plan to uh, reduce overall um, uh, illegal immigration, but not to reduce legal immigration, which is one of his uh, core tenets uh, of his campaign. Uh, he now says we need more workers, foreign workers, to come here legally, and we'll do everything we can to secure the border. What's your plan and what's your vision for dealing with this? And, and what's your plan for dealing with the 
you know, tens of thousands of um, asylum claimants that are coming to this country right now in the hopes of, uh, of uh, essentially, you know, getting a free pass into the country. Yeah, first of all, um, I'm really glad the president is proposing a broader immigration package. And I know I'm in the minority in this, uh, but I do think the president has the opportunity to be able to break through and get something done on immigration that maybe previous presidents have not been able to do. And I think it's for two reasons. One, I think the American people trust him with regard to the enforcement side, which has always been one of the issues. You know, if you do immigration reform and and a president won't enforce the law and President Obama was the president who was, you know, not trusted on that, then why would you do the reform in the first place? And you recall President Obama allowed about four or five million people to come into our country without going through the legal process, which would be getting a law passed, uh, just did it administratively. Later, the courts uh, decided that wasn't appropriate. And, and so with regard to President Trump, I think he's got more credibility. Second, there is a real crisis at the border. And I think more and more Americans are are seeing this uh, on television, seeing the scenes of it. Uh, there was even a 60 Minutes program uh, week before Sunday. Uh, it was, I thought, pretty straightforward on the problem. So even the mainstream media has got to acknowledge now that uh, this is not a sustainable process. You've got m- hundreds of people uh, coming in every day, as many as 4,000 a day now on average, wow. actually. And you've got these people being allowed to come into our communities because there is not adequate detention facilities for them. And even if they could be detained under current federal law and a court case, you cannot detain people as long as there's a child involved uh, for more than 20 days, and that's only in an emergency. And so it's just the system's not working because the, the, the court system is clogged up um, you've got uh, something like 800,000 cases pending. It sometimes takes more than two years to get your immigration case heard. Um, sometimes people don't show up, obviously, for those hearings after two years. So it's a system that is clearly broken. And uh, my hope is that you know we can come up with a way to get some Democrats on board by saying, yes, we, we do believe that uh, legal immigration is important. We all support legal immigration. We'd like to see it actually be more focused on the skills and the merits uh, of individuals who want in this country, uh, as other countries do. And uh, I'm not sure who could argue with that. Uh, so my hope is that we can open the front door a little bit while closing the back door, if that makes sense. In other words, dealing with the illegal side, but saying, of course, we welcome people who come legally. Especially if they come legally with some merit. In other words, something to yep. add to the country rather than coming yep. in here as non-skilled. And because that, you know, we know how that works. That drives, artificially drives wages down for legal, uh, uh, immigrants who are already here and for American citizens who are all competing for some of the low-skilled labor positions. And, uh, uh, wages get driven down when people go underground to work and those kind of problems. So most importantly, though, I think you and all of your colleagues would agree we have to rewrite the amnesty laws, especially as yep. it pertains to what you said a moment ago about children in 20 days that's leading to more children either being grabbed or being sold by parents to coyotes to come in as phony families and claim uh, this is my child we're a family you got to let us go and uh, after 20 days and they just disappear into the you know into the united states so we've got to rewrite those laws and hopefully that's something that could be done sooner yeah, rather it, than it later. requires a change in law and in the meantime you know we need to do all we can do to enforce the border um, laws we have in place and provide our Border Patrol, Customs and Border Protection people um, with more resources. They are just overwhelmed, and they're doing the best they can. So it's, um, it's going to require Congress to get involved. And yes, indeed. I hope that people who um, are serious about you know, fixing this problem are willing to come together and find some common ground here, and the President's proposal 
I think is a, is a very positive step in the right direction. Good start indeed. Senator Rob Portman joining us at AM 1420 The Answer. Senator, I look forward to hearing your message on Friday. Thank you again for coming on today, and I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Bob, thank you. I know Chris is very appreciative of you, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon, and good luck on Friday night. Thank you so much, Senator. Senator Rob Portman joining us on AM 1420 The Answer. We're late to our break. Let's get there now on AM 1420 The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Well, it's 9.59. I don't have time to take a phone call right now because we're right up against the uh, top of the hour. Like I said, we broke a little bit late there with Senator Portman, uh, so my apologies for that. That's okay. Gives you an opportunity to listen to the news. Then we're going to uh, clear the uh, slate here and have uh, open phone lines for you in the next segment coming up uh, starting at about 10.08. So if you want to dial now, get on board. 216-901-0945. You could be first up uh, or 888 Yes, I will continue to talk about and use the disgusting, toxic, left-of-center censorship bodies known as Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I don't like it, but I am not going to surrender it just because I feel like it's too dangerous if we do. France Radio is where you find me on Twitter and Facebook. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, and at least until they, they ban me. So they block my account too. They already shadow banned me. They already silenced me. They already uh, uh, delete uh, a bunch of views or uh, followers rather, so that I don't have as big of a of a message uh, to get out. So uh, until they do it to me, we'll use it. And if you've got something to say, we'll read it on the air as well. So dial now or uh, Facebook or tweet to me, and we'll continue in hour number two after the news on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.